Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah. The charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh. Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, friends, and welcome to the very last Friday of January. What a month 2021 has been, and you're going to be so encouraged by today's show. No matter what you've been feeling this month, I'm sitting down with my friend Sissy Goff. And Sissy is fabulous and wonderful. She's a counselor in Nashville for child and adolescent girls. She's been doing that for 30 years. And today we talk a lot about anxiety, worry, fear, depression. She works with a lot of adolescent and child girls, but today's show is for everybody. I found myself as a mom leaning in to listen. I found myself as a person trying to understand my own emotions. She talks about practical steps on how to parent our children through the hardships of teen years. And guys, right now, a lot of us have been having hard moments with the pandemic and isolation and quarantine, and you're going to love today's conversation, and I promise you, you're going to get something out of it. Now, I mentioned it's the last Friday of January, and it is, and in fact, over the last couple of weeks, we've told you guys about a lot of fun things. In fact, just on Monday, we told you guys that my husband Aaron and I have a new book called Compliment that releases in a couple months. But what I want to remind you of today is that on Monday, the Jamie Ivey Show premieres on YouTube. You do not want to miss this, you guys. Go right now to youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey to subscribe. Hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. We start them on Monday. It comes out. We're going to have a live watch party. So join us February 1st, youtube.com slash Jamie Ivey for the debut premiere of my very first talk show, the Jamie Ivey Show on February 1st. Okay, friends, here's my conversation with Sissy. You're going to love this so very, very much. Here she is. Sissy, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me, Jamie. I'm so glad to be on here with you. This is exciting. We were talking before about how last time we saw each other, our paths crossed at a conference. And here we are, you know, January of 2021, dreaming of the next time our paths can cross at a conference. In real life, I know. In real life and not over Zoom. Sissy, I'm so excited to have you on and to have this conversation. Will you introduce yourself to the people that are listening and tell them what your specialty is and what you do in life? Yes, I am Sissy Goff, and I'm a counselor in Nashville, Tennessee, at a pretty amazing place called Daystar Counseling Ministries, where I have counseled girls and families now for almost 30 years, which mainly makes me feel old and tired (laughs) right now, especially in this pandemic. But I'm really grateful for that work. And out of that, I've been able to write and speak and do some things like that and help beyond the walls of Daystar, which I love to get to do and counsel alongside my little furry pet therapist assistant, the Havanese named Lucy, who helps me every day. So let me tell you, Sissy, I went to my counselor one time and she had to bring her dog to work because she was going to be gone for so long. I said, can you bring your dog to work every time I come (laughs) see you? Because I held that dog the whole time. And there's nothing better than talking about your feelings and emotions while holding the cutest little puppy dog ever. That is so true. You know, we didn't have dogs at Daystar until probably my my second year there, I had the dog before my now and I was meeting with like a 
15-year-old girl who was suicidal. And you can imagine as a therapist, when you're meeting with a child, then obviously you have to get the parent. And so I had to leave her to bring her mom in to tell her mom I need her to go straight to the hospital. And so I hated to leave this teenager alone for a minute. And I had my dog because the same thing, you know, workmen were at my house or something and I couldn't leave my dog alone. I mean, yeah, my dog alone for that long. And so my dog, while I was gone, jumped up in this little girl's lap and started licking her tears. And Melissa, who's the director of Daystar, said, Sissy, can you bring your dog every day from now on? And now we have five dogs on staff at Daystar. Oh so gosh. exactly. It makes such a difference. Sissy, I'm like teary-eyed about just imagining <laughs> because here's the thing. I'm a dog lover. We have two dogs. My husband, Aaron, and I say everybody needs dogs because, you know, we also have four children and our four children are teenagers. And they're it's sometimes, I don't want to throw them under the bus. They're sometimes moody. They sometimes run their right. mouth. They, some, they, right. they all the things. Our dogs are never moody and our dogs never run their mouth at us. <laughs> they are yes. always excited to see us. They are just so steady with us. And so I love that you, what is your dog's name again? Lucy. Lucy. Mm -hmm. So when people come in to have a session with you, Lucy's always there. She is always there. And she has this silly thing that she does like this, where she, it's like she waves at them. And, you know, so many kids come to counseling. We go to counseling and we feel nervous, oh, but yes. kids especially do or mad if they're teenagers often. And so they, for me and Lucy starts waving at them and it just melts them. It disarms them in this really powerful way. So she makes such a difference. I love that so much. Okay. So let's talk about what you do. And you said you've been doing this for 30 years, which I imagine in 30 years, you've probably seen some really difficult things. And I would imagine you've seen some really beautiful mm. things as well and transformation yes. in people's lives. Yes. So you work with teen girls mainly. Am I right about that? I work really from about six up through 18. So yes, okay. all ages of girls, really. Okay. So tell me this. I'm a mom to a girl. Um, she's 13. She's and just, adorable. You know, lovely. Yes. And anyone that's listening, you know a girl that's right. in this age bracket. You're an aunt or you're a teacher or you're a doctor or you're a neighbor or whatever. We all have relationships like this. What are the major things that you see in your clients that are coming in that are plaguing girls in this age group today? And follow up to that, we've all been living through a global pandemic. What have you seen transpire because of that? So I have written all these books lately about anxiety because I've seen it so much in kids and I've been so worried about kids and wanting to help. And so in the beginning of the pandemic, I was really, well, pre-pandemic, I was more worried about little girls because the average age okay. of onset was eight, then it dropped to six. And so that's- Of anxiety? Of anxiety. And so that's when we were seeing it okay. start. As the pandemic has gone on, I would say I'm, I'm way more worried about adolescents because younger ones, you know, they are filled up often by time at home. And even if they're isolated, they're still connecting with you. I do think they're struggling today more than they were last March when it was right. new and we were all inspired to be doing all these creative, wonderful family things. We're gardening and we're baking <laughs> right. and, and now together. we're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Get me through this. So now I think, you know, the isolation has just worn on adolescents. And what we see so often is the anxiety starts to morph into depression or add depression into it. And so a lot of kids who are anxious now are dealing with both of those things. And when I wrote the last books, which was like a year and a half ago, the statistics were one in four kids were dealing with anxiety and girls were twice as likely. Now we're looking at one in three. So it's just so 
prevalent among girls. And that really is what I'm worried about. And that this latest book that I wrote called Brave, that's what I mean, last April, I just thought, I just hate this for them. And I want to do something beyond the kids I'll ever have access to in my office. They need help. And there's such practical things we can do. So, so currently I feel like anxiety, depression are the two biggest Mm. things they're fighting. Okay. So I want to ask you this, just out of curiosity, you said pre-pandemic, we were looking at starting anxiety around age eight. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking at it's getting younger around age six. How do you, as the counselor, how do you define what anxiety is? Like I know myself, I can tend to lean towards being an anxious person. And by the grace of God, I have like, I don't want to say coping mechanisms because I don't want to use the wrong words here, but I've learned ways to bring those to Jesus, all the things. How does anxiety in a six-year-old rise up to the surface? Like how, if someone's listening, they're like, I teach first grade or I have a Mm six-year-old. What looks like an anxious six-year-old? It's hard to tell a lot of times. And there are a few main things I would watch out for. One is body. You know, if they're having repetitive recurring tummy aches, that would be a big one for little girls or little boys. If they are having a lot of headaches and there's nothing physical going on, if you've gone to the doctor, if you're a parent and they've said, there's really nothing happening that we're seeing that's causing it. So recurring physical issues. Another one would be repetitive questions. My kids asked me the same when they were younger. I was like, didn't I just answer this question? What are we doing? There you now? go, Jamie. Okay. Totally. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. The reason they ask it over and over is they never feel like, oh, thank you for that answer. Now I'm fine. I'm going to move on. So they're like, what time are you going out? When are you going to be home? Who's staying with me? What am I going to be doing while you're gone? Over and over and over. It's interesting. I read, I did all this research about these books. And one of the things I read said, we should never answer more than five questions on the same topic to a child because it's never about the topic. It's about their worry. And so we've got to help them have tools that are bigger than the topic. So what do we do when you're asking me the same question of what time are we leaving tomorrow? What time are we leaving tomorrow? What yes. time are we leaving tomorrow? <laughs> Besides screaming at them. Which or saying like, I'm going to write it on a whiteboard. Really yeah. Right, right, right. I do not want to answer that question again. And that's why parents will so often say, my child's making me crazy uh-huh. because of that. And because of another thing that we could talk about in a minute, that one of the other ways we see it is it morphs into anger. So really one of my biggest tools with kids of all ages is to name worry. So With younger ones, I'll start off calling it the worry monster, but then they can name it whatever they want to. And they come up, you can imagine, they come up with all kinds of hilarious names. With adolescents, you know, they're not going to think that's very cool. So I'll call it the worry whisperer because that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like. That's what it feels like to us is there's this voice in the back of your head saying, are your kids okay right now? Or did you lock the door? Or have you washed your hands enough right now? Or whatever it is, it's like, or do I have COVID? You know, like, yeah, my throat's tickling. Yes, exactly. And so to be able to say, that's not whatever the question is about, that's your worry. So if you have a child in your life that comes to you with repetitive questions, if they're in your class and you can say, I don't think you're really as worried as you think you are about that. I think that's the worry whisperer that's back because what happens is, Basically, anyone who's anxious, child, grown up, anybody, there's some things that align with temperament. And it's more about the fact that they're smart, conscientious, they try hard, they care a lot, and it's like they can't turn the volume down. And Mm -hmm. so we're never going to be able to change those things about what someone's personality. And so what we see over development is it starts as separation anxiety often with younger ones. I don't know if you saw that in your kid. Then it often morphs to I can't tell you how many kids over the years I've had who have this recurring fear of throwing up. 
and they often don't throw up, but they threw up once and now they can't stop thinking about throw up. Obviously now it's COVID mm. if it's illness. Then for adolescents, this is fascinating. I talked to a psychiatrist years ago who told me that for adolescents, it was either sexual or violent a lot of times, but it's basically the worst thing you can imagine happening at your age, which is why for parents out there who are listening, it's often about your kids because that's the scariest thing. And so we get stuck in that loop. But for a child or a teenager, because it's going to morph, then when they come back six months later and all of a sudden they're afraid of flying on a plane, you can again say, the worry whispers back, it's not about a plane. Mm -hmm. Because two, the same tools work, however it morphs. And so what did you do last time that helped? And then that takes them back to those tools that can make a difference again. The worry whisper. I like that a lot. Now, you said anger. What were you going to tell me about that? Does it sometimes look like anger? Yes, absolutely. Especially, well, I was going to say especially for younger ones, but I think teenagers too. (laughs) But for little ones, they don't have the words to put to it. And so, you know, it's often like we changed their schedule at the last minute or they didn't know something that was about to happen. And so they melt down and it comes out as anger because they don't know how to say When you change my schedule and I don't know it's coming, it makes me anxious, like we might be able to say. And for an adolescent, I think so often they don't want to put words to it, maybe still don't know how. And so they get grumpy, irritable, which adolescents can be at times anyway. Um, but But often it comes out that way. Anger, I'm sure you know this, but anger is considered a secondary emotion. So there's typically something else underneath the anger. Is that for adults as well? Like you're looking at like, why are you so angry? Like you're like, this. you can't be this angry about this. For all of us, yeah. yes. And I'm thinking about, oh, I can list out these things that I've seen in my own parenting and thinking just through other people who have been around kids or teachers. It feels like this is new information at one point, a little bit. Are we learning more about this all the time? I think we're learning more about it all the time, about what it looks like and what we can do to help, which is awesome because, I mean, really most parents I sit with who come in and talk about their kids are anxious, say they are controlling and they're manipulative. Because that's what it feels like. Like they want control of their environment because they don't have coping skills. They haven't learned them yet. And so to control their environment is the only thing they think they can do. And, you know, Jamie, I think you're quite a bit younger than I am. But also we weren't in counseling, a lot of us, when we were growing up. So we didn't understand it. Our parents certainly weren't in counseling. And so nobody was talking about it with us either. And so we don't recognize it in ourselves. We don't recognize it in the kids that were around. You know, I always say that when I became a parent is when I kind of gave my parents a lot more grace than I had given them previously before. Mm. You know what I mean? You're all of a sudden, yes. oh, this is a hard job. I was really <laughs> mean to you. I am so sorry because you were doing the absolute best you knew how. And I look at my grandparents yeah. and how my parents had more information, had more to work with than their parents did before. And they did a better job. And you're saying that it makes me think, man, it is hard parenting when we weren't parented with counseling and anxiety and talking about these things. And I think, man, my kids are going to have a better grasp on how to work with this with their children. They've been in counseling, you know, all these things. So it's, I just look, I'm like, man, thank you, God, for the continued growth Mm, is what I'm feeling here. Now I have a question for you because we're talking about anxiety, but I think anxiety, fear, and worry can get muddled together. And I don't know the difference sometimes. I mean, I think I know the difference, but as you're talking about anxiety, I'm like, that sounds like fear. So what is the difference between anxiety, fear, and worry? for people across the board? Fear is usually attached to one specific thing. And it only happens in the presence of the thing or in the potential presence of the thing. So like I'm about to get on an airplane. Yes, exactly. 
at worry is more of kind of a vague sense that sticks around a little bit longer. And I would say anxiety, the way I talk about it with kids all the time in my office, but it's true for any of us, is it's like the one loop roller coaster at the fair. There's something we get in our head and it just goes around and around and around and around. It wakes us up at night. It often is very anticipatory. So it's happening, you know, if you're going to get on a plane, you're not just your stomach gets in a little bit of knots when you get on, but you're thinking about it for a month ahead of time as soon as you book the flight. And so it just is more pervasive. And I think, you know, it's so confusing and we could have a whole conversation about this because one of the things that I think is the hardest, especially about adolescents right now is they're all diagnosing themselves. What do you mean by that? There are kids who come in all the time and say, I mean, obviously they say I have anxiety. Kids don't say I'm worried anymore. They don't say I'm stressed. They don't use that language. They don't use the word sad. They say I'm depressed. But I'll sit with kids now, Jamie, who will come in and they'll say I have PTSD. And I can tell that they Googled the DSM to see what really is the diagnostic criteria. I mean, they'll like list the point. And I think it's because everybody's using such big words. You know, they don't say I want to run away anymore. They say I want to kill myself. And so I think because everybody's using such big language, unless they have these big words, it doesn't feel valid. Mm. Nobody's going to listen to them. Mm. And so I think that makes diagnosis and it makes true clinical anxiety way more confusing. Mm. But I think clinical anxiety is more of when you've tried some kind of basic coping strategies and it feels like it's not making any difference. It's kind of like when I think a child or probably an adult needs to get on medication too, you want to, my intention with somebody is always to start with therapy And then after a period of time, you know, say we go three months and the coping skills that should be working, that are really data driven, that should make a difference. If they're not making a difference, that's when we talk about something like that. Got it. Oh, so I just threw out like five bombs at once. I love this. I'm taking it all in. I'm like, can I come to your office to see and have an appointment? I'll be there. Can we have a two day session? You know, it's funny because sometimes as adults, I mean, I can be guilty of this. I can look at my kids and think, why are you anxious or worried? You have zero bills. You have fun. I do everything for you. And, you know, I'm trying now as I'm parenting teenagers to not not negate their problems because I was a teenager once and I remembered how much my heart was broken when that boy broke up with me. And I'm yes. sure my mom was like, who cares? Move on. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> as adults, right, you were only like, dating him two weeks. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but we were going to get married. And so <laughs> I'm trying really hard to learn how to be a mom and parent my kids by believing and giving their feelings value. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. But also, what is it these days that is causing Causing so much more anxiety in youth today versus, you know, I don't remember ever having these conversations. And I was born in 1978 in the 80s, the 90s. I cannot think of one conversation I ever had about a friend telling me that she felt so over. Am I making sense? Yes. Is this, what is it? I remember girls in my sorority in college that would disappear for a semester and come back and they obviously had an eating disorder or something and no one ever acknowledged it. Like no one said a right. word to them yeah. and they didn't, which is terrible. And again, right. part of your point earlier of thank God, literally, thank God that we've moved into a different place yeah. where we are healthier. We mm-hmm. are talking about those things. Why does it feel more now? And it could be, your answer could be just because nobody was talking about it and no one was being proactive. But to me, yeah. it feels more. Is that true or false? Yes, I think it's absolutely more. I would say this is really an overgeneralization, but I think as adults, often our responses kind of swing two different extremes. And I think some of us, if there are any 
type A slash Enneagram one people listening, I think we can be kind of classic under attenders to Kent. Like we're moving so fast that we don't really have time to talk about whatever it is that they have fallen behind and they're upset about in the moment. So we're doing a lot of, okay, let's keep going. We're minimizing. Sometimes we're trying to fix it out of a really good natured place. And so I think those kids sometimes get bigger to get us to listen. And then on the flip side of that, one of the phenomenons that is very concerning to me is parents who are over attending. So bottom line, everything with anxiety is for a child to work through their anxiety. They have to do the scary thing. But research says the two most common strategies for parents are escape and avoidance. Mm. And of course, like you love your kids. And so, or your grandkids, or you love a child in your class and you watch them in distress. And of course you want to pull them out. Yeah. But Probably my favorite story about this is I had a girl come see me a few years ago and we have a program called Therabill that tells us why people are at Daystar. And so Daystar is, I think you probably know this, but we're in a yellow house and we have a white picket fence. And like I said, we have dogs on staff. It's as cute as a counseling office could really possibly ever be. And so I know that that's going to do a lot of making kids feel comfortable just when they walk in the door. So this is pre-pandemic when kids could sit in our lobby instead of on the front porch. And so anyway, I saw that this little girl was there because of anxiety. And I came down the stairs where my office is upstairs and I saw her. I knew who she, I could tell who she was across the lobby. And I have this enormous smile and I smiled at her and waved and I walked over to her and said, Hey, I'm Sissy. I'm so excited. You're at Daystar. I want to take you on a tour. And then I'm going to take you upstairs and introduce you to my little dog, Lucy, who is going to love you. And this little girl popped up and started to follow me. And her mom stopped her, grabbed her arm and said, do you feel comfortable with that? And it never occurred to the little girl not to feel comfortable with it until her mom asked the question. And what we're talking about before her mom came in and said, well, I was anxious as a child and no one understood me. Mm. And so I think her mom is now overcompensating in a really well-meaning attempt to understand her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And so we see more parents than ever who are stepping in and rescuing their kids rather than, we're not going to throw kids in the deep end, but rather than giving them the tools to gradually work towards the scary thing, which is what we really need to do. And so I think that's a huge piece of it. And then we could talk about social media for sure. We could talk about technology in general. I think those are hugely contributing to anxiety and depression. I mean, and that culturally it is, I mean, every TV show that teenagers are watching, somebody's talking about anxiety and depression. And so I think when they think, oh, I'm worried, they think that's what's going on with me, or I feel sad, I must be depressed. So there are a million things going into it, but those are kind of the main things to me. But on the flip side, it's like people are talking about it, you know, so it's difficult. Yes, it's hard. It's so helpful. It's so helpful and so healthy. So what do we do as parents? If there's a parent listening, because, you know, you gave two kind of extremes of have parenting, how do we as parents help our kids who might be feeling anxious? Or even like, you know, I told you when you were listing off those things of how anxiety might look, I'm thinking in my head of moments I've had with my kids that sound like that. And and I feel like I missed it, you know? And I'm not saying yeah. I did anything wrong. I'm just saying, oh, that was something. So how do we as parents, A, see those moments? And then B, what do we do about it? So my magic formula that I go back to with parents all the time, probably the older I get, the simpler I want things to be. And so when kids are struggling, my favorite two things are empathy and question, which I think helps us come back to the middle of that over or under attending. So because they want to be heard, they want to be listened to. And so when we can stop what we're doing, look them in the eyeballs and say, 
that sounds really hard. Or I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, even statements, I mean, and I think Jimmy, you would totally feel this way too, but I really can't imagine how hard it is to be a teenager today. We were talking about this earlier with a friend here today. And I was like, it is so difficult with the pressures of social media. I guess that's the major right. thing that's missing from when we were teenagers, but it's just a lot of pressure. Yeah. Even outside of a pandemic, just, they're just yes. going through so much and statements like that, I think are so helpful to adolescents, but that we're just, you know, like counseling 101, marriage counseling 101. What I hear you saying is it feels so silly. <laughs> uh-huh. And if you've been in counseling, it works. Yeah. And so reflecting back some of the things that they're saying, being empathetic. And then I think questions like, what do you want to do about it? What do you feel like is the right thing? What would God want you to do in this situation? What's your heart telling you? What's your gut telling you? Because especially if a child is anxious, but even if they're not, I mean, we want every child to feel capable and competent. And when we ask questions, we are assuming I believe you're capable of figuring it out. It's like giving them some power. Yes, giving them power too. I love that. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, 
Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. This is going back to what I was saying earlier about wanting to validate what my kids are feeling. And because so many times when you just said that, like ask questions, there are often times that I think, please, Holy Spirit, close my mouth. But I want to <laughs> say, that's so dumb that you're worried about that. Like, have we ever not whatever? And, yes. you know, I'm thankfully have used my brain most of the time, but I'm sure I've failed sometimes. We all have, <laughs> of right? Course. And everybody has. Yes. But it's so good just to remember that to acknowledge that and give them power and ask them questions. Do you think sometimes people and specifically girls that you minister and counsel with feel powerless because of anxiety? Absolutely, they do. Yeah, I came up in the book for adults about anxiety, the definition I came up with after I read like 23 books about anxiety. So I was even more anxious myself for a while. But the definition was anxiety is an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of themselves. Okay, say it one more time. Anxiety is an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of themselves, which you can see based on that. When we rescue them, we say, yep, you're right. It's too big. You can't do it. Mm. And I think that underestimation of themselves is the part that they do feel powerless. And I think it's so crazy when we're in this culture where, especially with girls, we're talking so much and wanting to empower girls. And I really think in the last three years, I have seen girls more powerless probably than I've ever seen. Which is so crazy. It's just so crazy because we live in this era where like women deserve power, give them a voice, all of these things, but you're telling me the exact opposite. So where are we missing it? If we're all saying a lot of people, let's give people a voice, let's empower women, all the things, but you're telling me, I see people who feel powerless. Where are we missing it? What's happening? Where's the gap? Probably every answer I have is like a couple of things. But um, I think one of them is I had a girl one time who said, I am hearing from every adult I know you can be all the things. And she said, I get paralyzed in it because it makes me feel like I have to be all the things. Mm. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so I think that's really interesting and definitely a piece of it. And then I totally forgot the other thing I was going to say. Well, you know, like, I don't know, you mentioned Enneagram earlier, so I feel like I can bring it up with you and be a safe place here. Yes. I'm an Enneagram six. And, you know, what I'm going to struggle with would be fear. Yes, yes. And so anxiety, that's why this conversation is so interesting because so anxiety, worry, fear, to me, they can feel so overlapping. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call myself an anxious person. And again, I have grown so much and God has done so much, but I still have this underlying fear. And that definition that you just said, it felt like that's me sometimes, this underestimation of myself and overestimation of the problem. Oh gosh, sissy. Okay. Let me put a pause on that because Jamie, you are a role model. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of girls and women And the fact that you feel that, like that you don't feel capable, I hope everybody out there listening, because there's so much that God has obviously called you to do and you have stepped into. And so 
that is sure inspiring thought that you well, really you can know, do it. You can push past it. It's so true. And one of the things that, you know, I don't want to make this an Enneagram podcast by any means, but one of the things that sixes struggle with is believing past successes. And, mm. you know, it would be like always thinking that you can't do what's ahead of you, but forgetting that you did it before. You know, and so it's almost like I can get on this airplane. I've been on an airplane before, you know? And so for me, it'd be right. like, oh, I can create another podcast. I did this once, you know, but there's that yes. fear of I can't do it. I can't overwhelming. That's so interesting because that's a trait of clinical anxiety too. Like worry has no memory. So whatever coping skills, whatever you've defeated before, you're not going to remember that you've done it. You don't remember how you did. So crazy. And then from the outside, mm -hmm. people will look in and be like, are you kidding me? Of course you can do this. You know, we look at our kids yes. and be like, you played soccer before. Like, you know, you're like, you know, the seven-year-old kid that doesn't want to play. I'm like, you did this last year. You loved it. <laughs> but there's no yes. memory. That is that what you're talking there's about? No memory. Yes, exactly. Which is what I think with kids, we have to be their memory. And we have to have them do things like journal and keep track of it themselves so they know and can go back to those kind of truths. Okay, Sissy, so one of the things I love is you mentioned you've written so many books and you have some resources recently that I've seen. You have a book, Raising Worry-Free Girls, Helping your daughter feel braver, stronger, and smarter in an anxious world. You followed that up with a workbook, which I love and I want to hear about, called Braver, Stronger, Smarter. And you followed that up with something that comes out um, next week called Brave, which is a journal for teens. And so tell me about how do all three of these fit together? So David Thomas and Melissa Trevathan and I wrote a book called Are My Kids on Track? And in it, I talked about, again, pre-pandemic, that I was seeing so much anxiety in young girls. And so our publisher came to me and said, hey, would you write a book for little girls about anxiety? And being the therapist that I am, I said, not unless I can write one for parents too. <laughs> because if as a parent, you're anxious, your child is seven times more likely to be themselves. So it felt like both needed to happen. That feels kind of like a weight just landed on me when you said that, sissy. But I mean, we got to know it, but I can see it. And I think the good news in that is I think so often for parents who look at their kids and they feel like they have anxiety, parents feel like they failed them, that mm -hmm. they did something wrong, that they, oh no, I'm doing the escape and avoidance or whatever. Parent, it's so easy to feel like you're doing things wrong all the time anyway, yeah. and yeah. more today, I think, than ever. And so the statistics on that, that it's genetic, means you're also off the hook. Yeah. You know, you are doing things wrong. Everybody is. And I think there's never been a season that parents needed more grace mm. and to give themselves more grace than so right true. now. So true. So you wrote yeah. that, Raising Worry-Free Girls for Parents. Yeah. So I wrote that for parents. And then kind of like we talked about before, I just got so worried about adolescents. And so I ended up writing Brave last April when we were stay at home and there wasn't a whole lot else to do. I just was typing at my computer. And, you know, it's interesting to do first time appointments at Daystar. We have, I think, 1900 families currently that are in counseling at Daystar. And so just in the past week, I did probably 18 new assessments with adolescent girls and every one of them talked about anxiety. So it's just so prevalent. Mm. I'm really excited to help girls. And my point in really honestly writing all three was to work people like me out of a job because mm -hmm. there are really practical things you can do at home if you know the right tools that can keep you from having to go to a counselor's office. And obviously then if you try them at home and they don't work, then that's when you look For in sure. finding a good therapist. But For sure. That was the point. Okay, let me run through this real quick. And we'll we'll have this in our show notes, but this is important, you guys. So raising worry-free girls is for parents. Yeah. Got it. And then we have this really amazing workbook, Braver, Stronger, Smarter. There is a feelings chart with Lucy's face in the back, if you haven't seen it, which is really cute to have a little dog's face. So yeah, it's for elementary age girls. And Lucy is all over this and I just love it. Yeah. And I and read this helpful. and the foreword is by Alina Pitts, who's a friend of the show. She's yeah. been on the show before. I know. Mutual friend of ours. Um, so that is for elementary girls. 
Yes. Elementary and early middle. Okay. And then Brave the Journal. Tell me the age group for that. Is, you know, 13 up through high school. But I think college age, when I was writing, I would still like to read. I mean, I need to be remembering these truths myself. So maybe any age girl, but especially high school up through college, probably. Mm. Middle school, high school. These are such great resources. Sissy, before I ask you what I always ask, what people are loving and reading, I wonder if you could just tell us, like, to me, these conversations always feel helpful. They can sometimes feel a little like I can get to the end of them and feel like heavy, you know, as a mom and just think, like you said, a lot of parents are struggling with, am I doing enough? You know, am I a good mom? I mean, that is, and it could be me because I'm an Enneagram six. I cannot tell you how often I ask myself, am I a good mom? You know, and my husband's like, you're a great mom. And I'm like, am I a great, you know, like, and so I want you to give a little bit of hope to parents. Like, how can you give us some hope in the middle of, you know, we're still in this global pandemic, parenting is hard, all of the things. What is the hope that you can give us and that you offer parents who come into your counseling center? It's not just because you're an Enneagram six. I think every parent asks that, probably every grandparent asks that, every aunt, every teacher, I mean, everybody who has a child in their life that they love of any age. And I mean, I think I always go back to the fact that God picked you. You know, he picked you with each of your kids in mind. He picked your kids knowing you were exactly what they need. And that none of that is by accident. And I heard Dan Allender, I love him. And he talked about how children are really one of the only relationships we don't get to choose, which obviously means somebody else picked for you, mm-hmm. which is God. Obviously we believe that. And so I think that truth can take a lot of like, I'm supposed to be something I'm not, or I can't get there. And that's not true. You have it all inside of you. And I think the other hope I would say in the midst of right now is I really was very concerned two years ago about kids and how this lack of resilience. And I think part of it was because kids had never encountered anything hard. And I would say as much as I'm watching kids struggle right now, sitting with kids every day, I'm seeing these amazing things being birthed in them too, this resilience. And so I think God is doing really good things in the life of your child as a parent, grandparent, however you're connected to kids and in yours, you know, that we have this truth of suffering produces perseverance, character and character hope. And there is a ripple effect that is happening daily right now, probably in bigger ways than we have ever encountered in our lives so good. I often remind myself of both of those truths and they bring me so much comfort to know Mm. that we can't just take God's word and apply it to adults, that it also applies to our children as well. And so he has not forgotten them in the midst of suffering and what we might be going through. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. 
All right, Sissy, what are you loving? What are you reading? What are you just dying to tell your friends about that you love? My favorite author is Frederick Buechner. Okay. And I'm reading a book by him called The Remarkable Ordinary. And have you ever read him? I have not. Oh, you need. He's one of the most beautiful writers. And as a believer, I mean, he just offers so much grace and so much. There's something about he draws out the humanity, I think, of all of us and just covers it with grace. And so I love this guy. He's probably 93 years old now and still with us. And I mean, he's amazing. So I would talk about any Frederick Buechner book to anyone. So how many am I supposed to say? However many you want. You got three for me. Are you? Do you watch TV? I love TV. Yes. What do you love? I have to do a lot of self-care, you know, as a therapist. TV is <laughs> one of my favorite branches of that. You know, the thing I probably had the most fun watching recently is Ted Lasso. Everyone's talking about it. Have I'm you? two episodes in and oh. I feel like I want to start over because I watched the two when it first came out and I was distracted. I was probably on my computer. I want to give it what it deserves. Well, and I think it's a little bit like The Office. Like I could only watch a little bit of The Office because it felt so cringy. Like, please stop saying that. Don't do that. That feels terrible. You know, I think when you're really conscientious, sometimes certain shows can just do you in. And Ted Lasso in the beginning is a little bit like that, but it comes around. It totally comes around. Okay. I do have to ask you this as a therapist. Have you watched the show Defending Jacob? No, I keep seeing it. It keeps popping up on things. How is it? Well, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to give anything. I just finished it last night, so it's heavy on me. And I have not found one person today that I've interacted with that's seen it. And so I'm dying to have a conversation about it. But after you watch it as a therapist, let's just have a little FaceTime and you can counsel me through it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Okay. I'll have to watch it. Okay. So tell us, I'm going to give it in. And then you got one more? Yes. Third thing is, so I have a little sister. My family story is that I was an only child till I was 16. And then my parents told me they were pregnant, which evidently my response to my mom was, I didn't know y'all did that anymore. (laughs) Of course you didn't know they did that. Totally. Yes. So I have this little sister who's my only sibling and she has a clothing store in Nashville, which is so fun and sometimes dangerous for me, but mostly fun. And she has started selling these neoprene bags and I got a camo neoprene bag with this cute hot pink stripe down it. That's probably my third favorite thing. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. And I'm in Nashville all the time. I have to go to her store. You have to go to her store and you'll have to text me and I'll meet you over there. It's called Kay McCarthy. Okay, so I'll text you. I'll meet you there. We'll have lunch and we'll talk about defending Jacob. Oh, that's such a great plan. I'm so excited. I love this plan. I love this plan. Sissy, thank you so much. I mean, I feel like there are some people that we have on the show that I hope other people get something out of the show, but I leave with like notes and like, I want to listen to this again so I can learn as I parent my kids and just are, you know, have conversations with um, young girls as well. It's just important. And so thank you for your work is what I want to say. Thank you for your work that you're doing. And thank you for the resources that you're helping all of us who have girls in our lives that we are loving and ministering to. It's such a help for us. So thank you so much. Thank you for the work you're doing and how you're ministering to all of us. Guys, I know you loved it. I loved it when she said anger is a secondary emotion. There's typically something under the anger. Man, I've seen that true in my kid's life and man, I've seen that true in my life. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Do not forget to pick up her books wherever books are sold. And as always, if we said something, if we alluded to something, if we talked about some kind of book or program, we put all of these links in our show notes. So go to jamieivy.com slash HH360. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, the music is developed for the show by Matt Graham. 
Show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing is put together and produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I am your host, Jamie Ivey. And don't forget, go to YouTube, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode of The Jamie Ivey Show. And join me back here next Wednesday as I talk to my friend and longtime happy hour friend of the show, Annie F. Downs. She has a new book out and you will love our conversation because it's always a fun time when Annie and I get together. Guys, enjoy your weekend. Have a happy hour with a friend. Tell somebody about the show and I'll see you guys back here next week. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.